Where are we? Oh, we're in the Matrix. Because of course we are. I keep telling you people, whatever happens in any given week's Doctor Who also happens to us as soon as we hit that record button. We should stop pressing record. I don't like it. I think we're trapped. What are we going to do? Well, if we stay in here, then there's going to be no podcast about Doctor Who this week. Really? That doesn't sound right. No, it's true. We're the podcast about Doctor Who, and now we're trapped. Earbuds will fall silent across the world. What are Doctor Who fans going to listen to for the awkward 15 minutes of commuting time they have every day? Yes, or for the time it takes to boil spaghetti for dinner. Oh my God, you really don't know, do you? Know what? been lied to. We're not the first Doctor Who podcast. There are others. <laughs> why Why can't I remember them? There are hundreds of them. Fans across the world plugging in their microphones and booting up their laptops. Daisy chaining headphone adapters so they can all hear what's happening. They spend hours fighting with Skype. They jerry-rig pop shields out of pairs of tights. Just think about it. There's hundreds of thousands of gigabytes of data out there, all dedicated to Doctor Who. Something's coming back to me. We just need to concentrate, channel all the RSS feeds into the Matrix, attempt to overload the system. I think... I think it's working! Hello everyone and welcome to a new edition of Radio Free Scarl. Welcome to episode 215 of Verity. Hi, I'm Chip Sutterth and welcome to episode 447 of Radio Rasselon. Welcome to Time Ages Talk. Episode 310 of the Doctor Who podcast. Scanning for audio. My name is Kyle. And my name is Eric. Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to Doctor Who, the memory cheats. To Doctor Who, the writer's room. The Diddly Dumb Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Grinoid Podcast number 126. Welcome to Reality Bomb. I'm Graham Burke. The moment has arrived. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of season eight. Of the Oodcast. Aww. Yes, hasn't it flown by? No, it hasn't. <laughs> not, a, not at all. <laughs> and are we all looking forward to having our time back a little bit? A, a bit. I mean, this is fun, though. I mean, it is fun. Yeah, yeah this bit's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's Being up that... to two in the morning trying to stop, <laughs> like, a harmony from peaking, that's not fun. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> Hi, um, uh, we're, we're the Oodcast. My name's Chris, Laura and Chris. Two Chris's and Laura, basically. If you throw a pebble at us, you've got a good chance of hitting a Chris. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I think I'm, I'd jump out the way. Would you? Yeah, because I'm quite nimble. <laughs> yes, I mean, and there's more of me than there is of you. No. I, I'm quite good at dropping to the ground quickly. Yeah. So there you go. We both go different directions. Do you directions. mean fainting or just like... No, just hitting the ground as quickly as possible. I fall over a lot. Is... <laughs> I would I would probably try to catch or punch the pebble, <laughs> break my hand and jump around for a long time and saying, jings or something like that. Jings? Jings. Wow. A Scottish expression that means sort of, gosh... <laughs> Well, jings aside, we are going to review for you a double episode of Doctor Who, the finale two-parter Ascension of the Cybermen and the Timeless Children, 
or Ascension of the Toneless Children, as I've called it in all my notes. Um, we are going to try and put this sprawling two episodes into some kind of perspective in what we assume is going to be a slightly longer episode of our show as well. Um, there is so much to talk about here. Oh, yes. And some of it is labyrinthian and complex and hasn't been explained and some of it is weird and some of it is excellent and it's all mashed together in a ball. <laughs> uh, so we're amalgamating it into a big who pudding. That's right. Much like Chris Chibnall did. Yeah, much yes. like he did. Yeah. I'd like to say, I read um, Andrew Ellard's tweet notes on these two episodes. I told you not to do it I've beforehand. not written anything down he said. Okay, I, I wrote my own notes first. But I, I, I do stand with him in a kind of, this is less of a structured story and more of a, ah, of who. Yeah, it is. Which yeah, is yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Which, given that he went on TV as a youngster <laughs> yes. and accused... <laughs> Pip and Jane Baker of not making any sense is quite rich. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll call you when it's ready. Great, thanks. Hi. Hi. Been waiting long? Uh, just a few minutes. They're quite efficient here, aren't they? Yeah, never had to wait long. Mm, they always manage to remember my order, too. Oh, they're good at that. The doctor? That's, That's me! me. What? Oh, not, not again. again. You, you have it. it. No, no, you. I'm just, just going to leave then. After you. No, after you. The doctor? Should we start with the big bit then? I guess that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, let's start with that. Um, yeah, the, the change to uh, the change to the doctor's story, I suppose. Yep. I don't know that it is a change. Uh, I've, I've, um, I, I, I don't really have anything, any thoughts either way. In some ways, I quite like it actually. Now, no, so I do. Right, I have a direction. Let's go there. <laughs> That's good. Um, I quite like it as a change actually because it doesn't really change all that much. Mm. And from all the stuff that I've seen, obviously, it's been really hard to avoid people exploding, um, or being very happy about it. Which you know. I'm glad that there are both. Are there people actually. that are really happy about yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. There are, because it opens up the character of the Doctor to so many other people um, it, it without really doing an awful lot. And I think I just keep going back to the fact that this change takes at, takes at face value that line from the day of the Doctor where um, he talks about the 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 name the doctor is more of a promise than an identity that they assume. Yeah. And that seems to be where this comes from. And I'm happy with that. And I think aside from it being a harrowing, a really harrowing thing to actually like the events that they go through, that's a, in the story, that's a horrible thing to have to come to terms with. It's a history of abuse. Yeah. It's well, empire. And I've heard said quite in quite a few places. Maybe we'll talk about that in a bit. I don't know. It's he's quite horrible, so maybe not. Um, yeah, it, it. I don't know whether it changes everything, but I don't care. <laughs> so it simultaneously is a massive change to everything we understand about the Doctor, but really doesn't change anything. Yeah, I think it's quite hard to do something to pull off a twist that's that big without screwing everything that's come before it. And actually and I think does, he's done it. does bring some things that were things that we just ignored in canon, like the Morbius Doctors, back in yeah. and explains them better. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't really, I, I don't, uh, I've seen conversations where people are complaining, well, you know, what happened to Rasslon then? Uh, well, who cares? What <laughs> do you mean? Come up well, Rasslon isn't, is not part of this story. Right. Whereas if you look at the history of the Time Lords, Rasslon is very much part of that origin story. So, you know, I don't care. <laughs> this, is, this makes some sense to me. And also it's open enough because we don't see any of the evidence that links these stories to the Doctor. She takes the Master's word for it entirely. So that's open to changing later as well. Yeah. If the story works that way. Or if it's so, the other way, then history's written by the winners, even if you're a Time yeah. Lord. And Rassilon was like, yeah, it was all me. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I steered us through it. Exactly. I think there's so many gaps that can be um, the inspiration for other stories. And this seems to me this is how Doctor Who works. They, nothing has ever been watertight and perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's an understatement, isn't it? And Especially with this Doctor is, Who. This was good fun to watch. I, you know, I, I enjoyed that a great deal, I think. And the more I've sort of thought about it since, the more I've enjoyed it. Excellent. So, yeah. Laura, what did you think? I mean, you're a bit of a newer viewer, I guess. 2005, you haven't had this long history of the show in the same way. And does it make any difference to you? What? That the Doctor was basically James Bond. At one point, <laughs> and, uh, she was James Bond, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I think, as you'll all remember from last episode, in, I... In fact, shall we just play back that yeah. audio? I still think maybe the Doctor's not really a Time Lord and she is the time child of time and there's all sorts of weird shenanigans going to happen. So yes, maybe yes. That would be a big change. The Doctor's not, not a Time Lord. Not actually a Time Lord. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what a twist! But not if you're me, Laura, who knows the workings of writerly minds. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, I do. See, and I did get it, and I thought it would be that. And the whole concept of the timeless child is one that I find very, very interesting. So the Doctor is essentially a reject from another race, an incredibly powerful race, more powerful than the Time Lords. So much more powerful. Pushed through a rift, cast out because of some intrinsic quality. We don't know. We don't know. But there's also a very interesting thing about the ageing process because the first few iterations of the Doctor are all children. That's right. So, you know, I don't know what that means. I think oh, there's an influence. Are they going to Benjamin Button it? Are, are they going to go back down to being like a toddler the again? Doctor is canon? Yes. Yes, <laughs> <clears throat> I am. I'm not, yes, I'm not am. sure how thrilled, thrilled he'll really be, but great. <laughs> I mean, it probably would have helped when he busted his legs and did funny things like that, if he'd had a bit more regenerated juice. It would juice. definitely have helped, yeah. Maybe that right. just runs out when you're a teenager. I don't know. Is <laughs> the inference that essentially the be the foundling, the being known as that is now known as the Doctor, uh, had a whole life, grew up in a normal Time Lord life cycle, and then at the end of her time with the Division, she was had her mind wiped, and was made to become a child again so that she could grow up with the master. Because there's some bit where the master goes, yeah, that all happened. We did grow up together, but I found you had a whole yeah. history before that. So that bit where we saw Brendan, and I guess it is a good point now to bring in the Irish, weird <laughs> Irish thing. I was always thinking it's sort of like her adopted mother 
taped over yeah. that bit of the Matrix with episodes of an Irish called The Midwife. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. I loved it because it was just so creepy and but also so parochial and charming at the same time mm. and i love anything that messes with the accepted way of doing things yeah screw it all screw the system screw the patriarchy let's have everybody be the doctor i love it i love the <laughs> idea that there is no accepted meta narrative that the doctor is an unreliable narrator in herself i love the idea that there's no sacred cows Let's just have fun and tell good stories. That's my feeling about this whole sort of story arc. I love it. I mean, I dig all that. I think that's really good. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm lukewarm on it. I'm not angry about it, <laughs> like some people are. That um, would be a ridiculous waste of time. It certainly would, uh, because it's just a silly show. And um, it's that, happened. That I love. Um, so, yeah, that's fine. Uh, um, and I do, I do like all that. Um, I do think giving the Doctor a history, especially at this point where the incarnation of the Doctor is the first female Doctor, to so suddenly say, "Oh, yeah, you were used and abused by a load of men." No, wait a minute. No, it was a woman who did it. Well, yeah, it, it was both. I mean, that oh, was yeah, that was true. the only bum note I thought of the whole thing because, sure, I understand that the Doctor has just discovered some deep-seated trauma of being experimented on by their parental figure. Mm. And uh, like uh, the inference is that the parent figure, Tectone, killed them many, many times over yep. as yeah. part of trialling the extent of their regenerative powers. Also, the Doctor was non-white for a lot of regenerations at the beginning. Yes. And then just stopped and decided to be a white man. Maybe because they were <laughs> fed up of being downtrodden. Maybe. Mm. But um, I did not like the elements of the script that were all like, I broke you. I understand you're broken. Whilst Jodie Whittaker just stood there sort mm. of looking slightly dazed and gormless. And like being paralysed, essentially, and yeah. just saying yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, because I kind of thought, oh, hang on a second, you know. you People discover horrible things about their history every day. The Doctor is discovered iterations of herself that she never knew existed before mm. and she's never responded in that way the doctor is somebody who's so suffused with trauma that by this point it's just woven into every atom of her existence yeah for a while she thought that she had killed every single member of her species and this yep. is just Oh, and by the way, you're a bit older than you thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you're the bookends of the Time Lords. You were first and now you're last. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I do thought I do think that um and this kind of brings me to my next point. There was there has been some discussion that I've seen that people are a little bit disappointed with how the episode ended, with how the doctor chose to confront the threat of the Time Lord slash cyber creatures that the Master had put together. By basically following the Master's plan to kill everyone. Yes. Mm. And in previous iterations where the Doctor has fused Time Lord DNA with one of their enemies, I'm thinking of the Daleks, that's a fusion of Time Lord DNA changes 
the recipient. It makes them into something more than they are, not just because they then have the power to regenerate or the power to manipulate time, do whatever it is that Time Lords are particularly known for doing, but because it's po- it's a portion of the Doctor. And if the idea is that there's a spark of the Doctor in every Time Lord, there's a spark of the Doctor in every one of these cyber creatures. And in the past, that's been a very, very effective weapon and manipulation tool in itself. Right. So there's mm-hmm. a comic going around, isn't there, which has this other ending where the Cybermen all become pacifists because... They're all Time Lords and Time Lords all have a spark of the Doctor in them. Exactly. Which is quite a clever ending. And I think there is something in that if you're going to make all Time Lords the Doctor and then all Time Lords the Cybermen, if you lay out all of that narrative rope, why don't you use it at the end of the story for the conclusion? Mm Because you've done all the work for it. You've made a beautiful cat's cradle and then you've set it on fire. (laughs) You've blown it up. And actually, I think this is probably a good point to say uh, we got a a submission of a sketch from Tom Solinsky, lately of this parish, who joined us during the Ood One Out. Um, And he, uh, yeah, this is, I think it's quite good. So this is a sketch about how Ko Sharmas got that bomb. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Ah, it's Keir Starmus, isn't it? Ko Sharmus. How is the Labour leadership election going? I'm Ko Sharmus. I'm humanity's last hope against the Cybermen. Oh, yes, so you are. So sorry. Uh, What can I do for you? The war is going badly. I must have more munitions. Then you have come to the right place, sir. We have all of the guns, bombs, booby traps, missiles and chemical weapons you could possibly want. I need bombs. Lots of bombs. Yes, sir. These are very popular. The time is a bit eccentric, but they're going cheap. Yes, very good. I'll take them all. No problem, sir. And then we have these, which are remote detonation. We have landmines, of course, grenades and... What about manual detonation? I'm sorry, sir? Manual detonation. Manual detonation? Yes, you know, the kind of explosive where you have to press a button on top to make it detonate. Manual detonation. There's not much call for that, sir. Most of our customers prefer to set a timer and retreat to a safe distance or to detonate the explosives remotely. Did you mean manual detonation as an option? No, manual detonation only. You want to buy an explosive which can only be detonated by you pushing a button on it, thereby guaranteeing your own death. It's the only way we can win this cyber war. By reducing your own numbers at the same time as you eliminate enemy forces. Don't bandy words with me, man. The human race is facing extinction. Unless I can procure the weapons I need... With unhelpful methods of detonation... Then all is lost, and the Cybermen will rule the galaxy. I'm sorry, sir. There just isn't much call for manual detonation-only devices. I could probably have something made for you, but it would be a custom job. Much more expensive, and I have devices with timers and remote detonation ready to go. I must have explosives with manual detonation. Without them, the human race is lost. But what can you possibly do with a manual detonation-only device that you can't also do with a timer or a remote detonation device. Sometimes a conflict can only be resolved by a noble act of self-sacrifice in which one man saves the day, but only at the cost of his own existence. But surely that's a very remote possibility. Trust me, it's a certainty. Which is a good point, right? 
Yeah. Why would you have a bomb with a button that just makes be, makes it explode? Not something I've ever understood and something they often have to really go to ridiculous lengths in most sci-fi movies to be like, oh, something has gone wrong mm. with the mechanism. But then I think Koshamas' bombs are throughout the entire dual episode arc. They're not they're great. Not that, they're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, we've blown up the cybership because the timer on this one went a bit funky. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so I, I think this was a hot mess, essentially a huge hot mess of ideas, most of which didn't quite work, but was still quite enjoyable to watch. But I do think there is something that we need to talk about, about how this doctor is progressing, because essentially what happened in the end was... She's captured, she's forced into a prison for a long time and then just lectured for about 45 minutes where she all she can get, say is no, no, no. Mm -hmm. And then she manages to escape when another version of herself tells her how to do it. And then she goes to exactly where the master wants her to go to, gets the bomb that the master wants and does exactly what the master wants her to do. And then someone else comes in and sacrifices himself in her stead and she runs off that is the doctor's arc in this episode mm -hmm. and it makes me so sad because we're so used to the doctor being brilliant out thinking everyone out manipulating everyone being the brightest star in the room and Jodie Whittaker's so amazing I just want her to be be that doctor a bit mm, more than she gets to, to be, be that doctor yeah, yeah. There, were, there were bits where I thought that she was able to give the kind of performance that is really exciting as the Doctor. But there were, yeah, I think probably too many bits where she was just being shouted at by the Master, which is really weird because in every other incarnation of the Doctor, the Master can do whatever they want and the Doctor's response is still, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that I will find a way around this. And this time it's just, okay, you tell me what's going on, which is... And, you know, maybe it's because she's in such a vulnerable place. Maybe that's it. And I, the, the, the other doctor coming to kind of tell her how to get out of it, I, I sort of read that more of a, as a sort of Drawing slapping herself in the face. Within. Sure. Saying, Come on, you know what to do. Yeah, you, I guess the doctor's do the doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is funny Sorry. that the Matrix being a repository of all Time Lord knowledge and yet just one Time Lord's timeline can overwhelm it. I mean, that... Mm. She must have had a lot of lives before the first Doctor. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. Well, I suppose it's like the equivalent of overloading whatever your core processing unit is. The Doctor is the foundation <laughs> of the Time Lord race. Of course, there's going to be more data about her than anything mm. else. And the Master says that, and he's like, oh, yeah, you've a... got no idea how much you took up of this whole space. <laughs> I love the idea that this is... Look, we had to erase this because we don't have any room, more room in our server exactly. for any more people. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to purchase some additional storage, but it was too expensive. <laughs> um, speaking of the Master, as we were beginning we were, to... Mr. Exposition. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so disappointed. Oh, with how the master ended up. Yes, it just became quite one note, and I've never. I know that the master is is supposed to be incredibly disturbed and destructive to the point of almost self destruction, 
But that seemed to be all that it was. And I just... Well, the master's arc in this one is, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. You wait in a moment. Just come over here. I'm going to tell you a thing. I'm going to tell you a thing. Okay, okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a thing. Here's the thing. Okay, good. That was pretty bad, wasn't it? (laughs) That's the end. Now look at my silver friends. And I still don't understand why the master would be that angry about it. Like, Oh, I do. I completely understand that. But I think <laughs> as much as you can ever completely understand that. Because there's something about, I mean, the master is clearly insane. And the idea that his, um, uh, his uh, long, lifelong kind of best friend slash enemy um, is the reason for him being the way he is. In, uh, you know, for being able to regenerate and to be able to travel around the universe um, eats him up inside. I can understand that completely. Mm. That that's I can see why that's the reason for the madness. I don't necessarily see why it ends up with a ridiculous setup like this. <laughs> um, given that he could make her into one of those tiny things whenever he likes. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you go and have a look at the Doctor Who figures? I'm just going next door to pick up some milk. Okay, Mum. Oh, wow. They've got all 17 variants of Captain Jack and the Merka and the Nemesis statue. I'm going to have to ask my mum for my pocket money early this month. What was that? Just my imagination, maybe. Oh, wow. General Hermack, he's properly rare now. Help me. Excuse me? Yes, young man. Are these the talking figures or just the regular ones? Because I think I heard something. Uh, Closing time, I'm afraid, young man. You'll have to come back tomorrow. Right. Which one of you was it? I told you. If you dared to try and speak to anyone, I would use the tissue compression eliminator to make you even smaller. You won't match anyone's collection anymore. (laughs) So which one of you was it? It would have been really interesting if he was the timeless child Mm. because then the fact that this huge society, this empire has been founded on his abuse, he was the special one. That would have been really interesting. Mm. I think in some ways it makes a bit more sense as well. Mm. And it would also have meant that the Doctor was just, you know, some idiot in a box still, which Mm -hmm. is the one aspect of this that does grate with me. I like the fact that anyone could be the doctor, that anyone who is kind and clever and and looks for ways that aren't violence can be the hero. I like that. Now the doctor is some superhero. She's essentially Superman for Gallifrey, right? Falling to earth and and gifting out knowledge that wasn't there before. But that's what really interests me because... There's nothing in the Doctor's past or upbringing, especially not her interactions with Tectaean, that would make her the way she is. Mm. So focused on pacifism, intellectualism and the best best solutions to ugly problems of hate, greed and malice. But the Doctor was rejected from her original society. Maybe. Or she escaped or or she was thrown out. 
quite. So where where has that come from? Where have those impulses come from? Mm. Why is the doctor the doctor? The thing that I find potentially more interesting about the situation is that it's sort of what I said earlier. This was told entirely to her by the master. There isn't a reason necessarily um, why this couldn't be the master's story. Yeah. And the master is using it to make the doctor do what he wants. Because the only physical evidence is they call the midwife stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're still linking. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes the master's story at some point, because that does explain quite a lot of his mm. irrational behavior mm. over the many, many millennia. Yeah. Um, if that's how his, um, his life began. Um, and it, but it also makes him almost a traditional villain in that he was being used by the forces of good and turned when he realized what was happening. I don't know. That that's yeah, it makes a little bit more sense. But you are hoping that that bit of audio is going to be played in a later episode of the Ucast and you'll be like, Yes, I was right. <laughs> I never say anything hoping it's ever gonna be <laughs> The Master Workshops new names for a cyber patrol. Death Squadron. Do you call it a death squadron? A deletion squad. No, a recruitment patrol. A human juicing party. An upgrade team. The League of Extraordinary Tin Men. Silver Dudes. Avengers Who Disassemble. Oh, how about C-Team? The Knights Who Say Delete. A six-pack of tinnies. A stomping party. Or I quite like the Cyber Seven. Or Murder Pals. An assassination company. Squish Squad. Ashad's Eleven, the Anti-Golden Girls, maybe Kill Brigade, or the, the Bash Street Kids, Cannon Fodder, the, the Walking Dead, Team Bang Bang, those magnificent Cybermen in their flying machine. No, no, I've got it. The Wham Bam Fam. We just call them execution units. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I would like to take this moment at a, probably about the halfway point for us all to say the word shabogan a few times because mm -hmm. it's just fun to say. Shabogan. 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 It's fun, isn't it? I liked it. Bogan is, is an yeah, Australian that's insult. That's exactly what it made me think. <laughs> yeah. Bogan is someone who lives on the outskirts of Melbourne, right? And it's like a bit, it's sort of like a, a Melbourne bit. version of a chav. Um, shabogan, this is not the first time we've no. heard of them though. Right, they were like the the non time lord Gallifreyans. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Sort yeah. of hippieish anarchist outsiders. Yeah, I think it was the Deadly Assassin where they were first mentioned. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, and I'd be very grateful <laughs> if you do. Tectoim was very good. I mean, the first time, like normally, the first time you leave your planet's atmosphere, you just go to a moon or orbit around the yeah. planet and land again. Yeah. She was just like, I'm going. Yeah. I'm off. <laughs> I'm off. I'm not <laughs> going to test this at all. Risks. <laughs> hey, we've talked a lot about those blimmin' Time Lords with their Time Lord shenanigans. That's <laughs> right. What about the humans of this episode? Well, they have very weird names. <laughs> Let me try and tell you them. <laughs> Yed Lamy, Fecat, Bescott, Bescott, and Fuscal, and Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I quite liked the concept of Koshamus. Yeah, I think he was good, and he was Grandar Joe in Derry Girls. I didn't work that out, and he was in Game of Thrones. He was that guy that was killed by the Sons of the Harpy. I can't remember his name. 
Anyway, yes, he was a good actor. Uh, I just like the concept of somebody just hanging on for the last stragglers and waiting to the, direct them somewhere. I mean, and I don't think that the portal always goes to Gallifrey. Oh, it definitely I mean, doesn't. It goes to different it places says it each time. It shifts and shifts and shifts and shifts. So they're not really the last of the human race, that little straggly band. Um, I'm quite interested by the possibility that, is it Ravio? Ravioli. Yeah, the, the technical lady and Graham hitting it off. What, what? It was a little bit there, wasn't there? A bit there of a spark? A bit of a spark. <laughs> which is, you know, possibly a bit dangerous when you're inside a smelly old gunky cyber suit. Um, but I thought, you know, good performances all round from the TARDIS team. Some... Yeah, there wasn't a lot for Ryan this time, apart from, you know, magically and majestically throwing that massive bomb 200 metres or so in a re- with a really unlikely basketball action. They yeah, keep making the lot. companion with dyspraxia the one do that has to do all, all the, the really mm. weird physical stuff. I'm not exactly. sure anyone can throw a basketball that far with that action. That so bomb also but, looked like one of those old-fashioned diving boys, you know, the, <laughs> the glass ones with macrame on the outside, <laughs> which would be really heavy. It was like a, a shot put for a giant. Mm. For our US listeners, Laura means buoys. Which is almost as fun to say as Shabogan. Shabogan. <laughs> I did think Graham and Yaz had a much more kind of deep role this time. And that worked for me because they're the two. Oh, I don't mean this in a bad way, Ryan. They're the two that is the arm Ryan. Well, <laughs> aren't they? They are the two, the two that, that have Ryan. had more to do, I think. Sure. And, yeah. and actually it pays off here. But it does make me think maybe there's at least one too many companions. Yeah. yeah. But there's also that thing of... Graham saying, oh, yes, you're spectacular. And I'm mm. like, I have I seen you be spectacular? She has become spectacular. If you think what she did during Praxis, where she was just like, oh, I could walk into this lovely safe thing and have a nice, controlled, easy adventure. But instead she was like, no, I'm going to take on that place where we were just shot at. And I also think it's more of a... My first, from his point of view, I think it was my first reaction on doing any of this was, oh my God, what the hell are we doing? And you've been calm the whole time. Sure. That's what I think is more of a mental. I think narratively it does make sense, but I didn't feel it in my gut. Mm. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's true about you. I love you for that. And I didn't feel that. It was a weird scene. It did look like it was being shot as if he was about to propose, which is a bit weird. (laughs) Or die. Yeah, we (laughs) keep thinking he's going to die, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't. No, I mean, he's not the one I've been worried about. I was worried about Ryan the whole time because I I know that Toshin Cole signed a contract to do something else next year. Oh, right. Here's what I think, and this might be controversial, but through time immemorial, all the doctors that I've seen have banged on at great length about how important their companions are and how they are, what keeps them rooted to the human experience. And they've quite often been the motivation for the doctor pulling their finger out and saving the universe or realising who they really are. I've never come across a companion who I've thought, yeah, you, you're the real deal. You're so incredible, other than possibly Martha. I don't know. And Bill. Mm. Bill's Don, all right. Donna. Oh, no, I love mm. Bill. I thought Donna was great. But. You haven't liked any of them is what you're saying. I 
like them, but I've never really bought into this. I don't think you paid attention to any of them you because you were good. too busy looking at David Tennant's bum. Yes, so. that, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you might be. You might be correct. And when it wasn't David Tennant who was the doctor, you were thinking about his. Yeah, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> there it's is one so thing round. we haven't talked about, and it is something that's kind of blown up on the community, which is our Facebook group. Come and join mm. it. Which is this idea of where does Ruth's doctor sort of fall in the chronology? To me, it seems really easy. She's part of the division because in her episode, she's mm. working for Gallifrey. So she must be during that time that has been redacted from the Matrix. She must be pre-Hartnell. I, I can't see any other way that mm-hmm. that could work mm. and the reason people are saying that can't be true is because the TARDIS is a police box at that point but we know the TARDIS is cleverer than the Doctor we know the TARDIS has been looking after the Doctor for a long time couldn't it be that the TARDIS was also the vehicle that he and she had during the division period at some point it got locked as a police box and then and then later on when the Doctor's rebooted you know, fate and destiny and Clara pushing him in the right direction means that he's reunited with that same TARDIS. And then when it lands in a place where it can become a police box again, it becomes a police box. Or even more simply, perhaps that (laughs) TARDIS crashed in the 1950s and assumed a shape that would work, only it got buried. Yeah. I'd sort of, yeah, I, I mean... I mean, that's definitely the intention, right? That she, that that doctor is one of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Because Division I mean, doctors. she's got all of those sort of kick-ass kung fu type skills and hiding herself abilities. She is very much a sort of a secret agent doctor. Tricks mm. her enemies into shooting themselves. Is on the run from a big international police force. You know, of course. I do sort of, I understand the kind of desire to make it fit. Yeah, me too. But, and I also think that's from an excitement kind of yes, side of is. stuff. Yeah. Because she is good. I will, I want to see more of her. Mm. Um, so it would be nice. And maybe that will explain more if we do. But I also don't think it'll be the end of the Doctor if we don't see him. And it's really interesting that she calls herself the Doctor mm. during that period and then even when her mind is wiped, even when she's yeah. returned to being a child and essentially the Time Lords are trying to integrate her back into society and be a normal, boring Time Lord that name comes back that same TARDIS came back, that need to go out and help people comes back it's so deep within her that even if you wipe her brain and try and start again she's still going to become yeah. that mm amazing rebel essentially yeah and i think I, i've seen a lot of people trying to kind of shoehorn this in in that sort of trout and pertwee gap but actually there are things in the series that indicate that no she, she can't, can't be that yeah, because be in that. that in the futures of the jadoon the the time lord that she lets destroy herself says yeah. that she was her former boss mm. so sort of this makes and and that she works for the division like this makes it kind of permanently anchors that. There we are. Period. We're putting that to bed. There we are, everyone. That's what we think, and Laura doesn't care. And I also <laughs> think that, you know, yet again, it shows how cruel and ruthless the Time Lords are as a species, because how awful do they have to be to get young Theta, what's his face, the Doctor, and grow Theta them? Sigma, yeah. Theta Sigma, there we go. From, from a young age, all the while pretending that they've got finite lives and that whole 
thing on Christmas <laughs> where the doctor has to beg the time lords for more oh, yeah. regenerations it's just so cruel and they've always been messing around with them and sort of saying oh watch out we control you well it's interesting you said that because we do have another sketch submission uh, on that very theme from michael from the tim dog podcast my lord what is it, generic guard? Um, it's the crack, sir. There's a signal coming through. That's impossible. Oh, it's worse than that. It's from the doctor. Which one? The one with the chin that plays Prince Philip. Ah, the one who thinks he's the 11th or uh, 13th, maybe. Well, does the hand regeneration really count? He's on the planet Christmas. The, the one which occupies the same coordinates in space. Yes, as- I know what it is. It's all very complicated. I get it. What does he want? He's dying. Is he, though? Really? I mean, you know. Remember, we didn't tell him about the infinite amount of regenerations, my lord. After all, it would really mess with his head and practically destroy the ending of the Curse of the Faith and Death, and I do like Joanna Lumley. Good point, generic guard. Well, what can we do? Ah, the transmission has changed. The companion's asking for help now. The one who ends up playing Queen Victoria? Tell you what, just hang up. He'll regenerate anyway, and we can take all the credit. Who looks, Daleks? We haven't talked about the Cybermen, and we haven't talked about Ashad that much either. He, very sad really, built up as the big bad and then just became a toy, essentially. Mm. I think in some ways he's best left in the Villa Diodati. I I was quite, I don't know, I don't know why they were there in some ways, other than it's all part of the Master showing off to look what I can do, which is you know, totally part of the master's character. Um, but it seems like a shame because actually they were scary and mm, it was really well design. put together. Yeah, they were really mm. well designed. And then, you know... F- yeah, it's weird, sort of, isn't it? Although I do, I do almost find the idea of these battleships floating in space loaded mm. with... Just dormant Cybermen. With spiky shoulders. With spiky pauldrons. Oh, nice. Look at me who's been watching The Mandalorian. Um, (laughs) Not doing battle reenactments. Me? Never. (laughs) Ha ha ha. But the whole point that Ashad's making is that, oh, they've lost the war. He is one of the last of said Cybermen just hunting down the stragglers on Earth with ruthless efficiency, it must be said. They, they really wipe out a whole bunch of people. And yet, that doesn't include the literally tens of thousands that are just hanging out in space mm. in ships that have lost their power for a bit. I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like that threat's been eradicated at all. Oh, nice. It eradicated. Good Cyberman word. Yep. Um, they'll, love, they'll love that kind of vocab. <laughs> they will. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. So, what do you think of the new cyber leader, then? Seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah. Good guy. Solid leader. Dependable. Absolutely. It's just... Yeah? Doesn't he seem a little... I don't know emotional for a cyberman maybe i mean i've been in stasis for god knows how long so perhaps things have changed but back when i was converted cybermen had this reputation for being cold emotionless killers i hear you it's this new generation of cybermen that's the problem 
Everyone is just too PC nowadays. Sure. And by PC, I mean they're mostly made of computers. The other day, I saw Ashad get so angry with a vending machine, he put his fist through it. I'd have been shocked if I was capable of emotion. But you're a real Cyberman. Exactly. And that's another thing. Ashad? Why's he got a name? <laughs> Seems a bit human to me. I remember when the only Valetia cyber leader would allow himself was little black handles on his helmet. And maybe, maybe, cricket gloves that he'd sprayed silver. Those were the days. You wouldn't see one of those old school cyber leaders crying because someone ran over his cyber mat? Yeah, his face hanging out his helmet for everyone to see. He should be ashamed of himself. He probably is, because ashamed is an emotion. Exactly. Right. Let's go down the pub. The death particle. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't quite, from a story standpoint, work out what came first. Because Ashad wanting to make all the Cybermen basically robots is because when he releases the death particle, Cybermen will be okay. Right? That's, that's why he wants to make them more robotic than they were before, so that they will function once he releases the death particle, right? Yeah. That's the story yeah. reason. Um, but then, so is the death particle there to make the Cybermen more robotic or is it the other way around and what's the point of it all anyway? Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, he's got the death particle and yet he's hunting down all the remaining humans. Yeah. Just use the death particle. I think it's only one planet. I think you one shot one planet though, oh, I right? I thought they were going to use it throughout the universe. I oh, thought that I was see. the point. Ah, uh, does that mean it could be reactivated multiple times? So is it just loose and Gallifrey? Now? Well, I think well, it's find find a way of making it. He says that it was created in him by the Siberian mm -hmm. from him. Right. Textbook Siberian move. Yeah, which which did actually ride roughshod over one of my theories, which was that the Doctor only released the Siberian because she had somehow gleaned from its massive AI a course of action, sort of a bit like Stephen Strange in the Marvel films. Like mm. she had seen all eventualities and knew that this was the only way that she was going to get out of it. It's the only way. No, nope. that, that turned Avengers out that was would... not the case. Um, so the Siberian was part of the destruction, but I presume he was just going to go hopping from planet to planet, spanging it off and... Um, <laughs> as, as it were... Um, and just, just pressing that one bomb on yeah, every planet. Oh, no, because he would be on the bomb. Oh, no, he would be on the bomb. Yeah, that wasn't his plan, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, he was happy to go the way of all flesh, wasn't he, in the end, once yeah. his new cyber race was all robotic. That feels quite sort of cyberman-ish to me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very systematic. Go here, press a squidge, squidge my squidgy jelly centre, mm. and then zap all of the um, organic stuff. My sense is that you would have to release the death particle on each world because otherwise it has now been released. If it can travel between planets, then we're in real trouble. Yeah. I, I mean, I assumed they just hadn't found a way of making it like a universe. Like make it aerosol. Yeah. Releasing it into the atmosphere. Like the coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> is there any component of cyber life that is still organic? Like technically fuel is organic, I mean, isn't it? 
they are organic. They are part organic. That's where they're Cyberman, not Yeah, a robot. I, I know, but like... The robots of death would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Apart I, from that jelly thing in the middle. Yeah. I just find myself thinking that it does seem crazy a little bit. All organic life. <laughs> are you saying that it hasn't we, been we, thought through <laughs> quite? <laughs> this episode wasn't quite thought through. What counts as an organism? Is True. it just anything with like a brainstem or is it literally anything with any well, it's life, biodegradable it? it's a or biological particle. material? I like the idea that the Siberium right now is in a little eight ball, like the magic eight ball, and you right. can shake it and it will tell you the answer. Answer unclear. But I'm Try again. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how it would be most of the time. Right, time for a Jimmy Riddle. Doc, where's your loo? There are some out in the corridor there. Right, oh, cheers, Doc. Let's try over to the left then. Ah. Nope, TARDIS control room. Easy mistake to make, I suppose. But this one looks like a bog. Let's see. Another TARDIS. What about this one? TARDIS. Is everything round here a bloody TARDIS? Okay, lightning round. Any small point that hasn't been related to these big talking points that we have been conversing about. Yes, there's yes. one over there, Christopher. Oh, I really liked seeing working chameleon circuits again. Yeah. That was nice. Oh my gosh, that was great. And I also loved the fact that they just left them on Earth. Yes. Both of them, they're just <laughs> there now. So this is a beautiful new build that sort of materialised onto the market out of nowhere last week. <gasps> Looks lovely. And it seems like a great neighbourhood. Yeah, it's a perfect first home for a young family like yourself. Great school district, low crime rates. I noticed your brochure doesn't have a floor plan yet. Yeah, about that. What does the opposite of bijou mean anyway? It's probably better if I show you. Oh, wow. It looks so modern. You wouldn't know it from the outside. Yeah, it's a very spacious reception area with all mod cons and this... A distinctive hexagonal centrepiece. Oh, Tony, I love it. It feels like home already. Electrics are good too. Really good, actually. It seems to be entirely self-powered and unconnected to the national grid. Uh, so no utility bills. Hmm. How many bedrooms did you say? Uh, 127 and counting. We're not exactly sure. We sent in one of our survey teams, but they're not all back yet. Does it have a kitchen? Yeah, several. How about a conservatory? Not exactly. Oh, that's a shame. It does have 14 bathrooms, though, and a swimming pool, and a laboratory, walk-in wardrobe, laundromat, cricket club, zoo, arboretum, garage, croquet court, sick bay, drawing room, sunroom, scullery, squash court, gym, meditation room, observatory, library. We're really still compiling a list. What do you think, Tony? Well, I'm not sure. It, it is a little more than we plan to spend. Well, if you're interested, I'd advise getting an offer in quickly. I don't think it'll be on the market or, to be perfectly candid, this planet for long. Hmm. I'm still not sure. Is there 
a waitress nearby. Five minute walk away. Sold. I like the level of casual death of characters who were briefly introduced, humanised and then left to rot. Yeah, Fuscal died and Biscuit, <laughs> Bescott, whatever her name was. Biscuit, <laughs> let's, let's just say it was Biscuit. I also liked the little snapshot of the theme that burst through as the Doctor did her I'm going to flummox the Matrix mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was pretty, cool. pretty much the only thing that I liked about that bit. <laughs> well, as you know, the Udcast is an incredibly positive take on Doctor Who. This episode perhaps has tested us a little bit, but is our love of Doctor Who intact at the end of it? Fully. Yeah, yes, absolutely. very much so. Looking yeah. forward to what happens next. Uh, the first series of the 13th Doctor had almost no continuity, no continuity with the old show. It was all new monsters, new stuff. This one, you have to have a kind of degree in Doctor Who to understand all of the references <laughs> in it. What will the next one be like? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Although, Darky. if I make some predictions, doubtless <laughs> they will come true because oh. I'm just that good. The Cybermen are right outside, Doctor. Don't worry, Graham. We're safe in here. The TARDIS is like a fortress. It's got an impenetrable exoshell, a hostile action displacement system, and a series of overlapping force fields with multiple redundancies. No one's getting in. So who's that, then? Hi. Who are you? I'm Kevin. Sorry, I thought this was a portaloo. It isn't, though, is it? No. Then I think someone might need to clear that up. Okay, bye then. Some fortress, Doc. Must be an anomaly in the defence systems. Perhaps I should reset? Double pepperoni and garlic bread? That's my mate. What? Magic, here you go. Thanks. Here's the cash. Keep the change. Cheers, fella. Graham, did you just order pizza? I didn't know how long we'd be in here, did I? I don't get it. This never used to happen. Hello. I was wondering if I could talk to you about our Lord Jesus Christ. Avon calling. Trick or treat. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Hello. Christmas. We wish the police you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. What about a rubbery? Ripe strawberries. Ripe strawberries. Maybe you could switch it off and on again? Alpha, have you done two haikus or one for the two of them? I have done two haikus. Lovely. Yeah. Shall we listen to them? I mean, you, you speak right. to I mean, them I might and we'll to listen them. to yeah, them. Okay. Yes, sure. This is the haiku for The Ascension of the Cybermen. Miracle child lives while last humans just survive. Unsafe haven waits. And this is the haiku for the timeless children. Doctor listens, surrounded by strip lighting. Tiny death goes large. Okay, I'm going to compose a haiku in response. (laughs) That was very good. Thanks for all the haikus, Chris. You are a poet. Very good. Thanks. <laughs> what? I was just. I feel like he does a lot of work, and we don't say thank you enough. 
Uh, I mean, of all the compliments you could have given, poet is low, but well, it's true. No, I because <laughs> I've, I, tr- I, should, I would have said true poet, but I didn't I have know, enough syllables. Were, you, yeah, now you see the difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you can't just do those things. You make good words come from mouth hole. That's just, that was just eight eight syllables. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the final time this season, we are going to do What's Making Us Feel Good. Can we tell you what's making us feel good this week? So mine this week is another podcast. This is not a Doctor Who podcast, but Matt Lucas, who has been on it, and he's been in Doctor Who, and David Quantic's been on it, and he... Wrote some big finish. There we are. That's so there more than enough. I think it's called the Rule of Three, um, and it's two comedy writers called Jason Hazley and Joel Morris who've written loads of great stuff. They created the Family Examiner website, which is the the par- Family yeah. Examiner. That was one of my favourite. It's great. They they've written for um, radio shows like The Flight of the Concords and my favourite, possibly overlooked comedy on radio the last ten years or so called Listen Against. And they've all you know they they wrote. Charlie Brooker's screen wipe with him and um, they were part of the writing team behind Paddington and Paddington 2 as well. Okay, we so they get know it. They're their funny. comedy. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, so they make a podcast where they talk to people who make comedy about something funny that they love um, and their guests can pick anything, a film, book, album, comic, anything that means something to them and they discuss it. And sometimes they take it apart to see how it works and sometimes they just quote bits at each other and dissolve in fits of laughter. Um it's great, and never once when they've been taking it apart or whatever has it spoilt anything for 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 me. Um, and they never lose respect when they're doing it. They're they're always revisiting it as something that someone loves, which I think is really important. Um, and that sounds exquisite. It's really fun to then revisit everything they talk about, which inevitably I do because it just it's hard to not. So I have written down my f- my top five episodes. Oh, nice. Because there are 50 almost now, I think, maybe more. So um, it's like 10%. So, so there are great. They're, they're, they're a, it covers such a really wide breadth of stuff. Um, uh, so this is in no order of preference, just my favourite five. Um, Catherine Jakeways, who's a great, really good radio comedy writer in particular, um, talked about an episode of Ever Decreasing Circles, mm-hmm. which is wonderful 80s comedy. Um, Nish Kumar talked about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which oh, I think right. if you haven't seen that, you really, really should go and do it now. Um, Chris Addison talks about Victoria Wood as on, seen on TV, which I loved when I was a kid uh, and still do. Miles Jupp talked about an episode of Frasier called Mixed Doubles, mm. which is lovely. And I have been watching Frasier once a week or so ever since, um, or rewatching. And Lucy Preble, the playwright, um, fairly recently, it was only a two or three weeks ago, did um, an episode on When Harry Met Sally, ah. which completely pulls it apart, but um, essentially concludes it's the perfect comedy film. Um, Spoiler ending there. It's one, oh, no, that's in the first two minutes. <laughs> they start with that. So it's really, really good. It's sort of inspiring, but also really lovely to remind you, really lovely reminder of everything that is funny in the world. And this week's episode is about an album that, was really important to me when I was a uh, sort of twelve, um, so I've been really, really loving that. What's that album? It was called. It was the not the nine o'clock news LP, the oh, first right. one. 
Oh, I love that album. It's really love, great fun to listen to. Listen I like to people laughing about it. Bouncing. That's one of yes. my favourite <laughs> tracks on there. Oh, I love that track. Oh, oh, I would sing it for you now, listeners. But um, I don't know if we've passed the watershed yet. Um, what's making me feel good this week is Citalopram, which is an SSRI that I was recently subscribed by, by a, a doctor. doctor. Got it. Yeah, good. Check me out. Um, yeah, the world at the moment is an interesting place. As Terry Pratchett said, may you live in interesting times is not a wish of good things for people. <laughs> and I had found recently that that was getting on top of me a little bit and interfering with my enjoyment of day-to-day life. I was prescribed some anti-anxiety medication and I can honestly say I think it's made my life considerably better and easier. So I thought I'd bring it out, not because it's a fantastic example of pop culture, but I figure there needs to be slightly less stigma around people who take substances to support and maintain their mental health. And I want to be one of those people who says it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to take pharmaceuticals if you need to, to make yourself... Feel good. uh, Feel good. It's (laughs) not the only way of feeling good. There are many other things. Some exercise, some social stuff, some therapy. I think everybody should go to therapy, personally. But it's one way of doing it. So I thought I would lay it out in an episode about trauma and mental instability. Let's have some good solutions to these kinds of problems. Well, I think mine is going to feel a little inadequate after that. Um, It's okay. You can sort them round in the edit. Yeah, maybe I will. I probably won't. Um, So, you know when Ashad got shrunk down to a tiny size? Yes, like a little Sabutio chap. Imagine if you'd swallowed him. How would you describe him if you had to swallow him? A jagged little pill. That's right. Oh! (laughs) Uh, And... (laughs) I, this week I got tickets to see Alanis Morissette because it is 25 years since Jacket Little Pill came out um, and uh, that got me listening to the album again and then I discovered that there is a Broadway musical Jacket Little Pill which <laughs> takes all of the angst and 90s brilliance of that album and then puts musical theatre voices on top of it it shouldn't work it doesn't a lot of the time but sometimes it does and it's making me feel so happy so uh, that's my one for this week. The Jagged Little Pill Broadway show. Uh, yes, have a listen. Just have a listen to the overture, if nothing else. It's so funny. And I, I do think it's kind of brilliant. So there we go. There's mine. Excellent. That, that does sound good. Although I'm still in denial that it's 25 years since I bought the album. I know. It's crazy. Well, I'm here to remind you that it is. <laughs> Boom. Oh, still firing on the cylinder. Oh, there we go. It's all happening now. Oh. Um, hey, listeners. Thank you so much for taking this journey with us. Another season of Doctor Who has come to a con- uh, conclusion. Um, 
we'll be going away again for a while, uh, but please have a look at our back catalogue. There are episodes uh, that where we review almost every Matt Smith episode, uh, quite a lot of Peter Capaldi, and many other interesting things. And also come and talk to us on our Facebook group, The Community, yes. and just get in contact on Twitter and Facebook in general. We are still around and we're still making things. Hopefully, we will be back in your ears before 2021 when the next series comes out but who knows think of us as like a wonderful festive party hat that you wear on special occasions and then you put away safely in a box on that top shelf of your wardrobe where you can't quite reach it knowing that it's going to be there when you next need it and then you can put it on your head and exclaim don't i look fine (laughs) think of us like that yeah just think of us like that hat that laura just described (laughs) that's (laughs) oh i feel slightly emotional about it it's been lovely thank you so much for staying with us uh it's so great that we get to do this thing it's so lovely to speak to you and hear from you and to have the privilege of talking about this incredible show Mm. yes what we do love yeah we do um and we'll see you soon yes yes bye bye toodle pip saving Humans is the right thing to do Throwing down with some desperate refugees Seven left, they are the last in the world Under siege from a force they cannot flee Cause there is no escape There's no escape Going through the portal to Gallifrey No, there is no escape There's no escape Warriors Hunting survivors down Splitting up Take a life rough past the moon Guardian waits by the last boundary Make a plan, be persistent or lucky But there is no escape There's no escape Going through the portal But there is no escape There's no Going through the portal to Gallifrey
All right, Terry, that's the area cleared of vegetation. Just one tree to cut down now. No problem, boss. Got the chainsaw right here. Well, go for it, son. Watch yourself, boss. Here we go. You all right, Terry? Yeah, boss. It's just my chainsaw. The tree sort of shredded it into little scraps of metal. Well, I can see that, Terry. Must be a hardwood tree like an oak or a, a walnut or an aspen. I didn't think we had aspens in Sheffield, boss. Ah, uh, you're thinking of the American aspen tell. Populus tremuloides, to give it its Latin name. Grows in colder regions of North America, like Utah. Nah, if this is an aspen, it will be Populus tremula, the European aspen. How do you know so many facts about aspens, boss? It's my job, Terry. And yet you're still not able to tell me 100% if this tree is in fact an aspen. Stop saying aspen, Terry. Now get on that bulldozer and tear up that tree by the roots. If you say so, boss. The bulldozer's exploded, boss. Luckily, I was thrown clear and appear uninjured. Hmm, maybe it's some kind of sassafras? <laughs>